Hello everyone, this is Keith from the Bluff Council. In this episode, Ev and I discuss David Fincher's Fight Club. It's an audience-recommended film, and if you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or the Bluff Council's YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the episode. Fight Club. Let's talk about this movie. I'm I, I'm excited. You expressed your excitement on our on our pre-production call. Is that what we can call it? <laughs> sure. We do pre-pro. <laughs> yeah. You're excited. I'm uh, I'm equally as excited now. You got you got me fired up. Uh, I tried to do a little research. I tried to prep for the show. Uh, there's a handful of things I want to talk about. None of which I will remember and then regret. Fully later. <laughs> That's how I always feel. It's like in the hours leading up to these, I'm like, oh shit, I, I'm coming. I'm coming with the heat. I got so much cool stuff. And then we sit here and start talking, and I just kind of, it all kind of goes by the wayside. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so you liked it, or? <laughs> so, anyways, lucky you for tuning in. <laughs> You're in for another treat, guys. <laughs> this bastion of knowledge. No, yeah. this is a super exciting episode for several reasons. One, as we're discussing, is it's just a, a really interesting film. And the eighth and final rule, if this is your first night at Fight Club, you have to fight. I think Fight Club is uh, a fantastically layered, relevant film, even uh, 20, you know, 20 something years later. And uh, by one of my favorite directors of, of recent years, David Fincher. And it's also a really exciting episode because this is our first uh, viewer recommendation. Yes. So our, our friend of the program, self-professed number one fan, Richie Rauscher, uh, when we reached out a couple of weeks ago and asked uh, people uh, to share their recommendations for us, he shared Fight Club. Hey there, Ed and Heath. It's your number one fan, Richie. I'd like to thank you first for allowing me to come on and do this. I, uh, I'm going to be introducing my number five favorite film of all time, David Fincher's 1999 release of Fight Club based on the 1996 novel of the same title by Chuck Palahniuk. The film starring Jared Leto and Meatloaf is, uh, like I said, my number five favorite. So I'm very happy to hear your opinions and thoughts on this wonderful film. We're going to be hearing from Richie throughout the episode. Uh, he's got some questions for us, and uh, he, he made the mistake of doing some <laughs> canned generic <laughs> answers uh, that we're going to put to terrible use. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. These are considerations I had never even thought of. Big mistake on his part. <laughs> Don't ever do that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Keith, let's start with you. I also have a ton of stuff. I've been, I did a whole deep dive, but like, I, I think maybe 10 years ago, I really dove into this film and started researching it in a big way and mm -hmm. had forgotten a lot of that stuff, but refreshed all of it. So much to talk about. But let's start with you mm -hmm. and uh, what you think of this film, your impressions, your takeaways, maybe a little bit of your history with it. What do you got? I am ups I'm upset at myself. I'll start, well, it says every day I wake up. I'm just immediately upset with myself. And, and after watching this film, that was no different, even more so, because I'm upset I didn't watch this film it, when it came out, I'm, I'm upset that I didn't experience this film with everybody else as they were experiencing it in the early 2000s. I mean, it came out in 99, but it picked up steam, you know, in, in years thereafter. And I'm upset uh, because the movie was spoiled for me 
go, going into uh. it. I, kn I knew what was happening and I had seen scenes and clips and like, so I, I never really gave it a fair chance. Sitting down and watching it really for the, for the first time, start to finish, I, I, man, I was blown away. Like this is a masterful, masterful film. I, I can't, and I, I, as you know, I don't, I don't use that sort of lightly. And I was really, really blown away with it. And like, hot take, 20 years later, I'm like, this is a really good film. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm just mad at myself for not uh, watching this beforehand and coming to that conclusion <laughs> a decade and a half uh, ago. So, but it's, yeah. it's great. Uh, I, I know it's one of your favorite films or, or a film that you enjoy very much. So, so please enlighten me. Well, no, I, I did, I have liked it since the first time I saw it. And I do kind of remember when it came out and sort of the, the buzz around it and, and just kind of this, this rumor. Uh, I, it, it's not entirely unlike, just as I'm saying this now, like the way I, I thought about Boogie Nights, where it's like this movie that came out that I was too young to go see in the theater, but I just knew it was this thing that was sort of uh, liked by people who knew about film and though the some of the critics were kind of lambasting it a little bit for being a little too dark or a little too violent with Fight Club or sexual with Boogie Nights. Um, so it had this really cool energy. And I can remember watching it the first time and just being floored the way, the way you talk about it now uh, because that was pre-internet in many ways, pre-today's internet. And so there you could get, you could go see a movie or, or have a movie come out on DVD and watch it in your friend's basement and be like, oh shit, this movie is amazing. And then you find out the big twist. What did you just call me? Say my name. Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden, you fucking freak. What's going on? And you're, and it just, it just dropped me. Like I just, I, 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 I felt like Fight Club. I was 14 or 15 or 16 maybe when the first time I saw it uh, was really revelatory as both a film in terms of what a film can do, it felt so modern. Uh, it felt so forward-thinking. It felt uh, it felt like it was tackling subject matter that I had never heard brought up in a film before, uh, in very in very uh, interesting and provocative ways. I say never be complete. I say stop being perfect. I say let let's evolve. Let the chips fall where they may. And I think a lot about uh, 1999 when this came out. That year in film is such a historically great year. There's so many great movies. I was that gonna, year. I was going to mention that as I, I just didn't realize like so many blockbusters. Yeah. Came out in 1999, and and I think the one that like everybody that comes to their mind is Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. <laughs> That's it. That's the film I think that really stands out. Spoken like a true Keith Macri. Is that, is that, That's a is huge that not, bitch. <laughs> That's a huge bitch. I mean, some of the greatest writing in cinema. I mean, Behemoth. <laughs> it's a, I mean, freak. But what I was gonna say before we got we got deuced, we uh, got deuced. is I I always felt like '99. Obviously, so many great films, but the two that for me as a 15 or 16 year old, you know, seeing these movies that really changed how I thought films could be were Fight Club and The Matrix, and I think that those movies are often reflected on together because they're both sort of about that that waking up like you're, you're we are part of a facade 
You know, your life is, the things you think are important are not important. The things you think are real are not real. And you need to <laughs> say fuck it and, and come up and, and take the, and take the red go. pill. I think the let, red pill is the one that wakes you up. May, I, I forget which pill is which. <laughs> but uh, but let go pills. almost. <laughs> you take one of those pills. Yeah. But I think it's more of like a letting go of ego and letting go of self. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a good place to start when, as we talk about Fight Club a little more in depth, is, is sort of the themes. As far as themes of the film, obviously anti-consumerism, uh, there's the futility of life and kind of nihilistic views, but I would like to hear your thoughts on um, what I view as the effects of neutered masculinity, which is covered in this film, which makes the film relevant as time goes on. It kind of ebbs and flows, but Today, perhaps it's even more relevant than at release and the effects of men kind of repressing their more primal instincts and then having a, a place to go ahead and um, kind of blow off steam or, or, you know, find that release. Richie clearly trying to get us in trouble with that one. Keith, what did you think about that theme throughout this film? Because it's clearly a big one. I, like I can't get in touch with that part of me. That's just like I'm not this type of man, so I don't re I don't relate. I don't connect in a way where I'm like, yeah, I have this pent up rage and I have no place to exercise it, and I I need to get out there and like I don't I don't have that. I don't connect to that. So it was for for me. It it, it uh, I'm already there. I'm already neutered. <laughs> Born neutered, die neutered. We have evolved. Like we should, we should be more civil. We should, we should have more discourse. Like there's just like, it. We shouldn't be cavemen at, at this point in life. We should use our words. <laughs> like it should just like, I don't disagree with the evolution of where we're going as as a society in general, man or woman. Like, we we should all we should all be taking steps to get away from sort of this barbaric primal instincts that we that we may have. Yeah, I think that that brings up a really interesting question on this subject that the film kind of really dives into a little, obviously they, Tyler Durden um, feels very strongly about this in the other direction, in a very extreme direction. But the question uh, that I think is fascinating is sort of, are we able to, as we evolve, uh, as we establish more uh, civilization, you know, as, as we treat each other with civility, are, are, and, we, and we kind of bury some aspects of that more like primal, uh, natural <laughs> selves. Yeah, it's hard. It's that hard. Animalistic to... <laughs> self. Yeah. Uh, is that a recipe for disaster in some ways? And to me, that's the more interesting question here because it's not just about men. Like this, this, this film is obviously focuses on the quote unquote like neuterization and, uh, and nowadays that's obviously even more relevant with, with uh, so much conversation around toxic masculinity. Right. And uh, the, the, in the aftermath of the Me Too mo movement a few years ago that still, that still goes on, um, which are obviously improvements vastly yeah, to be discussing those things and to be shining light in these dark corners. And as you said, to keep people in check. Uh, the, the thing that I'm curious about is... I, I approach a lot of my thought processes and my creative processes from the perspective that the, the greatest uh, mistake that humans make 
is trying to pretend that we're more evolved and, and civil than we actually are, <laughs> and that we put ourselves into these little cages of, well, this is how life is, and, and you go get a, a husband, and you go get a wife, and you have some children, and you live in this nice home, and, and, and you go through your lives, and you work a job, and I think that there's a lot to think about and a lot to talk about where you ha see a character like Edward Norton's, Jack, or the narrator, whatever you want to call him, as, as a guy who's just pushing papers and is just literally like, you think about the stuff you do on a day-to-day -day basis where our evolved bodies and our evolved consciousness is evolved to go fight and to hunt. And, and this, is, this is what this vessel is for. I mean, in a very literal biological sense. And, and when we're sitting there discussing greeting cards and, uh, and the weather, and I, I saw a line, I don't know, I, I apologize, I can't remember if it was Fincher or someone else associated with the production who said something about, like, the, our bodies have evolved, our brains have evolved to be these rugged hunter, fighter protectors, and we, don't, we can't do that any, anymore. That, that, that is not a, a place for us to go, so now we go shopping. So now this, yeah. this thing that is meant for this goes shopping. Yeah. And that... Is going to cause some problems, like at some point, you know. I think you're. I feel like you're extrapolating it out too much because there are certain things that you're saying that I that I see your point and I somewhat agree with. But but this film is very focused in like male aggression and and finding a place to put male aggression. Yeah. You you extrapolate that out a couple degrees past that, but the, as I interpret the film, it's it's really just focused on that. So, yeah. so, and so that I think like we, we don't have to solve problems with anger. Like I just said that, that like men don't have to show brute force to be valued. You know, that they, they can be intellectual. They, they can be so many other things. They can be creative. You know, they can be poetic. They don't have to be just like, I lift things up. I move them. I kill. I like that's that we're Build better. Than, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like. That's, we're, we're better than that. We're better than that. This is not, I don't think, why people tune in to the show. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, this is interesting <laughs> stuff to me because it is, it is part of the, it is a huge part of the film. And I think you could make the case that sort of part of, uh, in a roundabout way, is this is a movie about like self-discovery in, mm. in, in many ways it's, for, it's for Edward Norton's yeah. character. And I think a key part of self-discovery, this is one of my favorite lines in the film, that has always resonated with me from the first time I saw the movie because it stung. It hurt me a little bit as a, as a person and it kind of hurts me now, is, uh, is when, when Brad Pitt is first trying to convince Edward Norton to hit him in the face in the parking lot. What do you want me to do? You just want me to hit you. Come on, do me just one favor. And he says, Never been in a fight, you? No, but that, that's a good thing. No, it is not. How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? And I really, that, I, I personally have never been in just a one-on-one -on -one straight up fight. I've been in a couple rumbles. Uh, I've, stop, I've stopped a couple fights before they started with some, with some well-placed kicks. Uh, as I've said before, kicks, kicks make people have second thoughts, even if you're not the biggest, strongest guy, as I am not. A well quick kick to the gut makes somebody go, okay. Oh, fuck you. And kind of walk away. <laughs> this guy's so, using his feet. <laughs> yeah, wait. I'm not ready for that. I'm not prepared uh, for this. <laughs> but yeah, that line I think is really interesting. How much can you really know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? And there's some real 
I think there's some real intelligence there and some real meat to that. And, and you're absolutely right. It's not just unique to men, but just that, 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 that nature of needing to take a shot in the mouth or needing to feel immense pain to, 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 to almost fulfill that dormant primal being that's inside of you. And, and that might be toxic to say or to think, or it might be stupid, but like, I, I felt that way after every time I got a tattoo, like if I get a tattoo, you fucking bandage and there's blood coming out and you're like, that was so much pain and I survived. Like I survived a <laughs> battle and it's like a rush, you know? I uh, see. And I think that finding those places within your life to push yourself, to challenge yourself, to, to feel a little, to be out of your comfort zone. I, I think those are good. I think those are good things. Stay with the pain. Don't shut this out. No, 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 God! Look at your hand. Let's talk a little bit about David Fincher. Richie. For David Fincher, this was, he was treading some new ground in his use of uh, some technical aspects of filmmaking and would later on use and borrow some of these, uh, some of these techniques in his later films. I'd like to hear what your thoughts as filmmakers are on, say, his uh, real dramatic camera movements and uh, overt use of CGI to fulfill those uh his attention to detail in this film as we know there's somewhat of a twist ending and his little hints he drops along the way no for some reason i thought of my first fight with tyler that kind of fill the audience in or at least leave clues so that it, it is possible to recognize the twist prior to it happening which is i believe fair for a filmmaker in a in a film that has a twist richie great question and for me it brings it brings up two things inside my heart that i want to discuss <laughs> heart. inside my inside inside my, my heart. heart is this where the heart is i think it is right it's it's look it's like a little heart anyway two things that it, that it brings up this is why they pay me the big bucks uh <laughs> The, the, the thing that you had mentioned, uh, his attention to detail, David Fincher's uh, attention to detail, which I think is, is really second to none from a director's standpoint, and I think really shines here, probably his best work. I mean, I'm, I, I've seen most of his films. As I went through his roster, I was like, man, I've, I've already seen most of these films, which I didn't think I had, a, a small digression. I would say this is one of his best films within that attention to detail because everything equals something. There is... There is no nothing wasted. There is no line of dialogue wasted. There is no scene wasted. There is so many, I don't even want to call them Easter eggs, but, but everything means something, everything within every frame. And it all equals to the end of the film. Like everything that happens has a purpose for the end of the film. So we can get into the end of the film, which I, I, I would love to, but that twist to me then becomes not a twist. And I'm not saying because I, I called it or whatever. I mean, I knew about it going in. So obviously it's a little bit more clear for me at that time. But I think that's what a masterful storyteller does. You don't pull a twist out of thin air. You, you don't just go, well, and, and, and now we can fly or he was dead the whole time, M. Night Shyamalan. I'm, you know, like you just, you, just, you just don't do that. There's all these little things like if you just watch the film it's there and as it should be it should be there it's so incredibly obvious once you know but yeah once you know it, it, but al that's... it almost like shocks me when i rewatch it like how did i not get this <laughs> <laughs> but that is the true art of masterful storytelling 
and those are the details that that need to be shown and said that that's the care within the story he cares so much about this story and the right way to tell it and i think it all equals how that twist is not really a twist it's it's just clearing up what's really happening it's shoring up for the audience that that moment and for most people it is this big reveal it's like i didn't see it coming and i'm sure i would have fallen in that same category but i think that all speaks to the uh, um, amazing detail uh, that he he gives to that story as a director. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with 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 everything you're saying. Obviously, I love David Fincher. I think that his his career as a whole is so fascinating because I do think of him as one of the two or three best directors, uh, best living American directors. And as I looked back on his his IMDb, you know, his his filmography, uh, I have seen all of his films. And I, I really like all of his films, which is a rarity for really anybody. There's, there's a couple I like a little less, but there's no film on there that I'm like, ugh, don't like that movie. Yeah. Uh, and I was also surprised to, that his, his he, I mean, he's doing a lot of work, obviously, in television, um, and, and he still will occasionally dabble in music videos, which was sort of his, his beginnings. But he, he's not especially prolific in terms of directing films to... To have a career that begins in 1992 with Alien 3, uh, that's still going strong 30 years later, he's got 11 feature films, which is it's good. It's a you know a film every three years or so, but there, there's a couple five-year breaks and things like that where I think like, man, I'd really I want to see more. I want more from him. I just want him to constantly be making films because he has such a unique style that really. I said this about Zodiac, which anyone, friends of the program will know, is one of my favorite films yeah. ever. Uh, his films are so expert, they, they so expertly draw you in. They're, they're so visceral, uh, where I just, it's, I'm immediately immersed in whatever the environment is. Whether it's this dingy basement in Fight Club, or the snowy mansion in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, or wherever it may be. Like, I'm just sucked in, and it's, it goes beyond the story. It's the combination of the story and the cinematography and, uh, and, and, and everything, everything. So, please continue with your criticism of one of the best directors ever. <laughs> yeah, so here's why he's trash. Uh, David, <laughs> talking to you. <laughs> he, he is fantastic. What I don't like, and this is more of, I feel like, the time than maybe him. I'm not, or maybe I, maybe I should be giving him credit for, for starting a trend. But I, I really remember, uh, at this point in time, cameras excessively going, like, through things and more CGI and, 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 and cameras, like, just that bullet time effect of, of the, like, you're, you're in the bullet and you're going through someone's wound, and you're going through someone's brain or a nose, and you're just, you're, the camera's just going through things that are just so unnatural and so, in, in my opinion, unnecessary. It almost feels, and I'm speaking in generalities, not about this specific film, but it's here in this film. It, it just, it, it, it feels overused, and I say that in 2021, not in 1999. So it might have been revolutionary at that time, but. But I look at the Matrix and I look at this film. Uh, I, you know, I feel like it's a it's a Jerry Bruckheimer. Uh, um, who's the director of Bad Boys? Is it Bruckheimer? Who's a? It's, it's uh, Bruckheimer might have produced it. It might have been Tony Scott. 
No, who's remember. who's the, the guy Simpson? that's that Jerry South Park Brockheimer? makes fun of all the time? Oh, Michael Bay. Michael, Michael Bay. Bay, thank you. It's like a Michael yeah. Bay type. Just just it feels excessive for the for the sake of excess and like visually like that's cool. And again, I'm speaking to generalities, not to this specific film. So you're comparing David Fincher to Michael Bay. We have that on the record. <laughs> it just reminds me it, it it's very Michael Bay esque <laughs> to to me to do those types of, of things to just garner attention, to be like, whoa, super cool. Which is, I feel like, the opposite of this film. Like this, to me, when I watch this film, it's so raw and gritty and detail-driven. Like, do you really need those things? Do you need them? Or is it just sexy to kind of sex up this film a little bit? You know, like, that, that's the question I pose to a filmmaker who's thinking about doing these things. Like, it does, does the story warrant this? At the end, when he's blowing his head off or whatever, is, it, is that to see that ripple, or would it just a short, you know, bang, it just catches you by surprise, and then he pops up, like, would that feel more real and organic and, and gritty like the rest of this film? Or do you need that, see the bullet come through his cheek and ripple out and this fake head that technology never ages well, so now it kind of looks a little shitty today, you know? So that's the question I, I, I pose. That's the question I pose. Yeah, I, I can see that point in general. I think that, that that's, a, that's a tough standard to hold anything to, any piece of, I mean, art, but I would say uh, cinema, films in particular, because, you know, if, if you're making a movie in 1998 or 1999 and there's this brand new technology that is like truly mind-blowingly revolutionary uh, and that people want to see and you probably want to see it yourself as a filmmaker because it's brand new. You could never do anything like this before. You brought up The Matrix. It's like The Matrix invented that. It invented right. bullet time. And that was one of them. I mean, it's hard to remember that just 20 years ago we were like, Holy shit! Like right. when we saw that. You know? But my argument would be the Matrix, that story warrants that. More than yeah, Fight well, Club. Does Fight yeah. Club need that? Is my I question. Think that, I think that, you know, you can make any argument that what is needed, what is not needed. I think that it's always worked for me in Fight Club because I never thought it was super egregious. I mean, you bring up the shot at the end where he shoots himself and maybe that's the one. But the ones like earlier where he's describing his apartment and, and how it maybe how it blew up and the camera's zigzagging through and goes down to the pilot light and goes behind mm -hmm. the stove and shows like that never bothered me because one, while you clearly know it's not real, it doesn't like it's still the it still is aged well to me. Like it looks pretty good. And two, it doesn't need to look super real within this film, in my opinion. Because the entire film is so like stylized and especially that first act where as he's describing things, he's breaking the, the fourth wall. There's, he, he's describing his apartment. It, it's showing like a catalog where these things are just appearing and it's all kind of like in his brain. I mean, the first shot literally comes out of his brain, of his brain. you know, and out. So like, it's all kind of in his head. So to the, speak. So right, the IKEA thing is, is genius. Like the, the, like that's totally warranted. Because you're seeing this apartment and seeing the price tags and the thing. consumerism is being represented right in front of you like that. That's perfect. Like I would have no, I don't have an issue with that. But to your point about the pilot light and the camera going and like that, that stuff. It's like looking back on Wizard of Oz and being like that. That Tin Man 
looks like a man in a suit. Like, he doesn't look no. like, that guy doesn't look like a robot. That doesn't look like the Terminator. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, well, yeah. No. We have to be willing to cut a little slack to technology of the time. Because, I guess, if you want to make the argument, like, imagine watching Fight Club now. Fight Club comes out today, and it has that same shot. But all of the modern special effects, you probably wouldn't even bat an eye at, like, was that really necessary? You know maybe. what I mean? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, another, another question from Richie. Voiceover narration, which is sometimes considered a lazy aspect of filmmaking. Personally, I feel like it aids this film and makes it that much better. Uh, there is a general, I don't want to call it a consensus, but there is this general vibe that uh, if you have to use narration, if you have to fall back or rely on voiceover, that you're not a good writer. And, yeah. your, and your script's not good. Yeah. And obviously, That's why all my scripts can... have right voiceover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keith, Keith's entire movies are just inner monologues <laughs> and some guy sits there. <laughs> this is exactly how I feel at this one moment. <laughs> yeah. There are obviously countless exceptions to, to that rule. And uh, I, I, I personally, uh, when I was a young screenwriter and I read a lot of screenwriting books, I immediately jumped on that bandwagon so I could seem more cultured and snobbish mm. and be like, well, yeah, I'll well, catch, catch me writing uh, narration, you know. That sounds but, just like you. Yeah, these peasants. <laughs> How could you have, yeah. a, have a narrator? Um, but, you know, like it's, I, 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 don't, I, I don't paint with that broad of a brush. I think that we could clearly name uh, 500 films probably off the top of our head that have narration that are great and better with it. I can name a few that don't. <laughs> Goodfellas. Uh, I was just going to say, Goodfellas one of the good ones, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. But I mean, you think you, there's a ton. There's a ton. This yeah. one, Fight Club, uh, I agree with Richie that I, I really like it because to me, that's, it's the, the narrator, Jack, Edward Norton, is, uh, is such a driving force of the story obviously but it's like so much of the film is within his own head so it makes perfect sense that this guy is inner monologuing all the time because half the people we see in the movie might be <laughs> figments of his imagination for all we know so i think it, it works perfectly here and it and it does add for a lot more humor in the film that probably wouldn't be there otherwise and that's, I, I hate agreeing with you. I, I wish I could say, no, it's a hacky move because I do generally, gen, generally agree. That's why TV shows do it the most. Like TV shows are just, to me, a lot of like shows on like ABC or whatever, like end with. And at the end of the day, you know, you gotta, and that's just like, fuck you guys. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but in this film, I do feel it is warranted. And to, to your point that you're just about to touch on, I do, I do believe that that it helps soften such a harsh film. It, it does, his connection with the audience softens and, and obviously has some levity behind it, but it softens everything else, which is like, if you took that out, how dark and harsh is this film really gonna be? You know, without that interpersonal contact and those moments of like looking at the camera and giving a little, some of them are a little wink and a nod of like a joke to the camera. Yeah. If you remove all of those, like th this film might be really tough to watch. Like it, now we might be getting into the lobster territory, which no one wants. <laughs> no one wants lobster territory. So, I think that was a yeah. conscious decision uh, to help with that. If 
Yeah, if I if I if I remember correctly, what I read about that was that that was added in after the first draft. Is that this there was no there was no narration, and that was something that Fincher brought to it. So the Fincher worked closely with the screenwriter, who is uh, Jim Earls or Ors or he has an interesting last name yeah, that like, I'm not sure how to pronounce. Nailed it. <laughs> you hear that? It sounds like a giraffe is dying over there. <laughs> 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 Hey, did you hear that? Sounds like a giraffe is dying over there. But that, that, that's an interesting segue overall to uh, Richie's next question. This is Fincher's probably most comedic film. And Keith, you being a fan of comedy, I'd like to hear how you viewed uh, his use of some pretty dark humor. Richie, thank you for directing this question to me. I am the comedy connoisseur of this uh, dynamic duo that we have. This movie is very funny. It made me laugh many times, but as we've talked before, not that you think like I don't get what films are funny. It's not that I don't get it. <laughs> but uh, this is clearly not a comedy to me. I would not constitute this film as a comedy film. So the, yeah. the way that this, the way the comedy of this film hits me, it hits me differently. Obviously it's not like a knee slapper type, type of film. <laughs> and if it was, you really need therapy. <laughs> I'm a sociopath if that's, if that's the case. But there are really a lot of funny lines and a lot of funny moments to the film. So, so the way that I interpret the comedy is, it, it's almost more like uh, reprieve. It's almost like breaths that I can, as a viewer, it releases that tension because there's, it, and it provides such a sweet balance of what makes this film really so good to, for me is that I, there's this really raw aggression and these really like uh, tense moments and, and like moments where I want to like grip my own fists, like to defend myself almost, like it's that gripping. And, and, then, and then there'll be a really funny line of dialogue. There'll be a little funny witty banter, uh, you know, on screen between characters, whatever, where, where I just, I, I let my guard down and it makes me enjoy, it's more palatable. Because again, if you remove all of these, these bits of comedy, I think this film would be really tough. And again, that's why I hate The Lobster so much, to keep likening it. Like, I, I don't think I get those breaths. So I'm so appreciative of this comedy that comes throughout the film, although I don't look at it as like such comedy. I look at it as, as, these, as this release to this tension and becomes this really bittersweet balance of, of content that I'm watching. So I, I, I couldn't tell you how much I appreciate it. And there's a, a lot of funny lines. And I, I think the funniest line that makes me laugh the most, I think is maybe one of the most iconic lines of the, of the film is, is I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. My God, I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. That's, that is so funny. <laughs> it is an amazing, amazing I, piece of writing. Boy, do I love that line. I just think that's uh, horribly funny. But yeah, so many other that, things. That, I like I got to. the chills right now. Like honestly, just that line. Really, I remember watching this as a teenager and being like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, did anybody else hear that? <laughs> the shit that came out of this woman's mouth, I never heard. The the, the performances and the deliveries of these jokes of the things, I don't even want to like call them jokes, but these, these, there's such comedy within these performances. It's, 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 it's performed so well. I, I, th I think that obviously helps a lot, but man, there's some really funny, that whole scene, yeah. the whole chunk of scene where they're trying to pick a fight that they have to lose. 
Yeah. Just it just cracks me up. It just the whole thing cracks me up. It's really funny. Yeah. There's a ton of like observational uh, humor that is that is funny because it, it's like a good stand-up comedian. That's like the stuff that's funny is stuff that's relatable. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not an overt joke, where I always think about the first real scene that Brad Pitt is in, where he's like in the airplane. And he says something, and now a question of etiquette. Do I give you the ass or the crotch? And he yeah. gives him the ass, and he gives the flight attendant the crotch. Yeah. And I just, like, that is such a relatable thing yeah. that, I mean, I don't think a lot of guys put that much thought into, hopefully. But uh, but you do have this, like, subconscious, like, oh, which one am I going to do every time? Uh, I just, and that kind of stuff makes me chuckle. What stood out to you from a uh, performance standpoint? What were, what were some favorite aspects from, from that? I thought the the thing that stuck out to the first thing, just as you mentioned it, I think Brad Pitt is very good, but gets significantly better throughout the film. I think by the end of the film, I'm really uh, on board with his character. I'm really lost in his performance. I think in the beginning, he feels a little bit like, oh, it's Brad Pitt just doing a thing. He does a lot of this. <laughs> I don't know, he does yeah. a lot with his like hands, and I just like, that's Brad Pitt. But as the film goes on, I think he really embodies that character very well, and does a, his performance gets better as the film goes on, which I, that stood out to me. Like, oh wow, he's really this is he made me turn a little bit in his yeah. favor. But Ed Norton is always good. Like I, I think he's a he's a fantastic actor, so I think he's always good. And Helena Bottom Bonham Carter Carter. <laughs> I can't like I know yeah, it, I but I don't know it. You get it. I think she's very good too. I think she's. I think she's very she's good. She's really, really good. Yeah, I think she's very good. And there, I mean, they're the three main. And and Meatloaf. I think Meatloaf does does a nice job. I was sad when he spoilers, dies. <laughs> they shot Bob. They shot him in the head. What a dream role, Tyler Durden is. What a mm. what a fucking dream role that is. Uh, especially if you look like Brad Pitt. I mean, yeah. this this film. I, I, I we didn't talk about. I'm I I was a little surprised because I didn't know that much about like the logistics of when it came out. But like that, it wasn't especially successful uh, right out of the gate when it was mm. released theatrically. You know, it, it performed. It underperformed. Um, people didn't know what to do with it. People felt very divided. And so I think in that in that moment. It was probably kind of a strange choice for a young up-and-coming stud like Brad Pitt. But now as we look back on Brad Pitt's career, I feel like Tyler Durden is like one of the two or three defining yeah. roles that really helped make him Brad Pitt. Yeah. Oh, it's a great, I think, it's a great uh, role. Of course. And I, I think this is the role. And a seven, maybe seven too, but I, I, would, I would put this, uh, this as... Is, yeah, de- this definitely more so. The, 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 I would say this is his number one role. Like a, any guy, if they're like, I want to get ripped... This is the this is the person that they use. Like I want to look like Brad. Look like Brad Pitt in Fight Club. In Fight Club. Like I can't. If if I had a nickel for every time that that sentence was uttered, I'd be a billionaire. Just because I I can't imagine how many guys have have said that. So I I I think this is his role. Like this is his iconic role, and well deserved. Yeah. Well well deserved. Yeah. His, I'll tell you the best thing that Brad Pitt does in this movie, it's that fucking cackle. That he does that laugh when he's getting the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> that scene with Lou, the club owner, is a really like iconic scene where he just volunteers and gets the shit kicked out of him, and then starts 
spewing blood all over Lou's face, screaming, you don't know where I've been. Oh, you don't know where I've been. And he's like got this guttural growl. Like that scene floored me as a kid and still as I'm rewatching it, the shot where he's like getting picked up and dragged away, but he's like holding on to him. Watch your work, bro. I watch your work. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, that is a great, great moment. Yeah, I mean the whole scene is great, but I, I just, I, I love that that laugh, that laugh to me says so much. I'm such a like a detail kind of guy, like I and I fixate on those things. Like I just yep. that laugh says so much about that character. His like it's it's his tone, his delivery of it, like where it comes from. Like it comes from his soul. Like it comes from yeah. like I don't give a fuck kind of place. Yeah. And it's it's where where in the script it may be like he laughs and he might be like ha ha. The lesser actor be like ha, I don't even care, bro. Like it, yeah. it's not it's not that like it's it's soulful. I love I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. Yeah. The the great thing with Brad Pitt in this movie and to, to some some commentators that I've read think it might be he might have done too good a job him and Fincher together is that you, he he is so appealing even though he is not a good person. He's he's not the the views that he's espousing are not positive views. I mean these are these these are really extreme interpretations of of reclaiming your masculinity uh, and it obviously continues to grow to a crazy level with Project Mayhem but you can see how whether he was a real person or a figment within your own brain why he's so seductive and why he's so charming because he is gorgeous he is in great shape he is strong and confident yeah. and he's in his own way in his sort of like you know pseudo philosopher way is is very intelligent and, and, yeah. and says a lot of things that kind of kind of tickle your fancy. Murder, crime, poverty, these things don't concern me. What concerns me are celebrity magazines, television with 500 channels, some guy's name on my underwear. And even even if you watch this as an adult, you know, as we do now, and we know that Brad Pitt is not the guy you want to emulate, like you can see, I think it's important that you see a certain level of I mean, it's the epitome of cool, and yeah. that is important. So the character of Edward Norton, you know, was was really attracted to this, and it makes sense why he was. And some of the complaints of the film, uh, particularly from like a moral standpoint, were that he was too attractive. It's like you you are making this look too cool. <laughs> like like you are you are you you are gonna make little boys think that they should be like this. Yeah, but that's the point. Like I would argue that that's the point. Like it needs to yeah. be that attractive because it's so heinous on the other side of it. Like, if, if you just made it ugly, it would, no one would do it. No one would, you know? Like, if it doesn't yeah. make sense. It, 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 it's, it's a fine line between the, the glorification of right. bad stuff and, and, and doing exactly like you're describing it. Like, it has to look great because that's this person that you're on this journey with is going on this journey. Yeah. It also made me recall to the other Edward Norton film, uh, so memorable, is American History X, where he's this terrible, terrible Nazi... Uh, but they, but the, he shot in a way in some scenes that before you know before he has his realization, um, you know like the 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 very famous like curb stomping scene and he goes he, he goes out to the street and he's turning around in slow motion he looks crazy he's got the swastika and like this is an evil evil man but he's being shot like a fucking hero and that is like the moment his little brother is looking at him so from his perspective he is this god and. You can, I can see critics, you know, critics said, like, this is glorifying this, but it's yeah. not. It's, 
it's a it's a delicate balance yes yeah it's i mean that's a really difficult part of film like people not everything is glorifying but that's what all i think i mean we've even talked about it to, to bring it back down <laughs> we talked about it in wedding crashers <laughs> clearly not american history x level of mm. but you know glorifying womanizing and like these things need to be shown. <laughs> this is the worst parallel. Yeah, it is the worst parallel. It is a it's terrible. Literally glorifying women, womanizing. There's not a. There's not an underlying lesson there. That's not. We've had this argument. I think there is an underlying lesson. <laughs> Go watch the episode. Go watch the episode. Yeah. There the is an underlying because they become good guys. They learn the lessons. Not do that. Don't do that anymore, guys. <laughs> We're better people now. We're better people. <laughs> my my point is. There need, the cinema needs to be able to show all different types of characters and the journeys that those characters go on. They just, they need to be able, yeah. like, we need to not criticize that journey. Whatever that journey is. Good, bad, you, you don't have to go out, I'm not saying go out and do it, but we, we need to be open to seeing journeys of every type of human being or even aliens. Like, we need to be able to see that. So, like, stop criticizing that process. Stop criticizing Nazi womanizing aliens. Keith Macri. <laughs> yes, on my tombstone. <laughs> Put it on. <laughs> I think that Fight Club is, is so interesting because I almost think it's kind of undervalued now, but I do wonder how people look at it nowadays um, because I, I don't think it comes up. It's like it was such a thing for like 10 years to me where I just thought like Fight Club is everyone's favorite movie. Every guy at least says Fight Club and a lot of, a lot of gals. They're like, Fight Club is my favorite movie. It's so dope. It's so edgy. It's so cool. But then it's sort of like faded. And because I respect Fincher so much and because I think it's such a great film, I feel like it should have a, I feel like it should be more higher appreciated in maybe higher cultural critical circles where, where I don't really think it is. And I wonder why that is and I wonder if that's maybe, if it's anything to do with just sort of culture nowadays, which, which really, uh, you know, the, the extreme, like, like I was teasing you about earlier, like the men's rights groups and alt-right and, and these, these incels, you know, like the, the, the guys that are in Project Mayhem now would be like these incel guys that are, you know, there's a lot of violence literally happening, like all, uh, you know, and through a lot of these people, like, are probably big Fight Club guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, because the people that can only see the film for its superficial nature, which is these fucking guys are shredded, they go beat each other up to feel yeah. alive. Like, that's what that movie's about. It's badass. Yeah. And like, so I, I feel like maybe more, uh, more like learned people have kind of pulled back from wanting to acknowledge Fight Club's greatness because there's sort of this bad taste in your mouth from knowing that the film is endlessly quoted and the posters of the film are in every frat house everywhere and every douchebag jock college kid likes to talk about yeah. how great Tyler Durden is, you know? Yeah. The, the, and, but this is, this is what I was talking about before. Like, it, there, there is a group of people that make it not okay to appreciate art or comedy. Same, say racist love blazing saddles. Put, the, put that on my tombstone too. It's, it's, it's unfair. Because there's going to be a swath of people who who celebrate that type of behavior and not see where the comedy is really coming from, and, and the same thing goes with with this with this. They're just college frat kids, just like you said, or or whomever. 
will we'll take this as a celebratory, like, this is the way men should be, see? They figured it out. Let's all start yeah. a fight club and let's we don't burn need down. women. Let's go take down the credit cards. That's, that's what we need to do. Like, we need to do that. They're, they're on to something. We're, we don't need this. Let's go back to hunter-gatherers and... Well, now, now you're speaking my language. But, but it's, <laughs> it's stupid. It's, you are ruining films for, for people. Like, we, we should be able to appreciate these stories and not, not be so influenced by them that now I feel like I need to go live my life by Tyler Durden's standards. Like, fucking stop it. Stop it. Last thing, the Pixies, the iconic closing, that song... Where is my mind? Brilliant. I, 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 the music in this film is, is really cool. The Dust Brothers composed it. I read something that Radiohead was originally approached, but they, they didn't do it, which was a Isn't bummer. that a Richie question? Yeah, but I didn't want to. I was trying to wrap this up. I was trying to ignore that. We've had enough of Richie. <laughs> Richie, take us out. <laughs> but like I said, guys, eager to hear your opinions. My fifth favorite film for my number one favorite director. And... I can't wait, can't wait to see it. Oh, and by the way, I'll go ahead and give you a bunch of canned responses now so that you could edit them in as if I'm agreeing with you guys. Uh, because really, there's no one in film who is more qualified to criticize great works of artistic cinema than the two of you. So here we go. You can just pepper these in. Wow, that, that's a good point. I hadn't considered that. I read an article about these terrible people, these terrible, terrible people who want to remove all of uh, women's voting rights mm. and don't think women should have jobs and uh, really should just be made second-class citizens completely on a legal basis. Yeah. Richie? That's brilliant. That's really good. Interesting take, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> edgy, edgy, Rich. I don't know about that. Yeah.